Welcome to It Awaits You, a podcast composed of true Southern Gothic tales for the modern age. It Awaits You, The Butcher of Mincy Road. Once friends and relatives of Pamela Elwood realized they hadn't spoken with her since early February 1992, the inquiries, some suspicious and some genuine, started arriving at David's doorstep. Before she went missing, Pamela was still at home with David, awaiting her parents to take her back to their house in Winston-Salem. Following David's increasingly abusive behavior and generally ominous presence. Ever since the decapitation of Pamela's cat, David's dark passenger had revealed itself once and for all, taking complete control. As investigators later pieced together the timeline, they realized Pamela had been seen at the grocery store February 7th by a man named Stanley Hutchins. He was paying Pamela and David for some recent construction work they assisted with as they sometimes took on jobs together. On that same day, another man by the name of Robert Rice sold Pamela a used Chevy Citation. He traveled to the Mincy Road home to meet her again on February 9th after Pamela called him. She was upset because the car was already having issues after only two days. Robert checked out the Citation and returned on February 10th with a new starter. Pamela was nowhere to be found and David helped him install the starter. For two weeks after the installation as he drove past, Robert watched the citation sit in the exact same spot where he and David had worked together. And then one day when he drove by, the tires were gone. Friends that visited casually throughout February and early March were always told Pamela was in Winston-Salem with her parents. While they were in fact, actually looking for her like everyone else. These friends always noticed both David's pickup truck and Pamela's citation were sitting in the driveway as he told them this story with a straight face. Even Leanne, while dealing with Ruble's reign of booze and cocaine-fueled terror, inquired as to Pamela's whereabouts. When she arrived for her bi-monthly haircut from Pamela in late February, the only trace of Pamela could be found in the boxes of her belongings sitting throughout the house. David told Leanne that Pamela had left him and now resided with her parents back in Winston-Salem. Leanne left, unsatisfied and unsettled, back to her personal hell with Rubel and Amy, who was now without the companion and safe haven she found in Pamela. Her story would later be used as testimony to refute David's contrasting lie to Pamela's parents later that day, that Pamela was shopping in Durham with Leanne and that they wouldn't be back until after dark. David was clearly telling so many lies that he couldn't keep up, or at least didn't care to present an air of plausibility to his subterfuge. But it was David's landlord, Robert Strayhorn, and Pamela's parents who had two of the most intense exchanges with David shortly after Pamela vanished. One bitterly cold morning in mid-February, Robert, who lived down the street from the home he rented to David, 
noticed that David had been unloading large wooden pallets from a delivery truck and, over time, creating huge bonfires on his property, scorching the yard in the process. Fed up and no longer willing to passively accept David's strange fire routine, Robert approached David one day while he was in the act, pulling onto the property in his truck. David immediately rushed with a foreboding urgency from the fire to meet Robert at his truck, standing directly in front of him as he extended the door and slumped out onto the dirt path. David, without saying a word, hindered him from going a step farther, a quiet guardian of whatever secrets the fire possessed, a guardian with a dead look in his eye. Robert demanded the reason for the constant blazes. David said some boys he knew were contemplating repairing and selling the pallets, but because they never followed through on the endeavor, he had grown tired of looking at them. Of course, this didn't explain the odd process of burning just a few pallets at a time. By March 8th, coincidentally the night before the narrative of the butcher would begin to unravel in real time, Pamela's parents were done waiting for an answer. They drove from Winston-Salem to Schley to confront David to find their daughter, who they usually heard from at least twice a month. Pamela's parents used the car horn to announce their arrival to David. When he didn't emerge, Pamela's father went to the front door. But as he turned the knob, he felt a pressure preventing his entrance, coming from behind the door. While engaging in the struggle, he heard his wife speaking to David behind the house. When he made it around the home, he saw David standing there, looming over his wife with a pistol and shotgun in his hands. He told them Pamela was shopping with her friend, Leanne, in the nearby city of Durham, and they wouldn't be returning until after dark. Unsatisfied yet understandably frightened, her parents retreated to their car and back to Winston-Salem, no closer to finding Pamela. Later that day, David trudged into the yard and ignited a huge bonfire, its contents somewhat obscured by his collection of pallets. The same bonfire investigators would discover burning the next morning, March 9, 1992, where you started this tale in Episode 1, with vultures hovering in smoky air above the old farmhouse, the investigators just arriving. But what you didn't know until now is that a house guest of David's at the time, Curtis Bauer, had been witnessing him not only start the fire, but methodically place body parts into the pallets, a head, torso, and various organs before igniting the hellish inferno. Curtis's conscience must have gotten the best of him. It was his call the morning of March 9th that sent True Love and the other deputies out to Mincy Road. He betrayed the butcher, maybe out of principle, maybe out of fear, or possibly a combination of both. Nonetheless, he was charged as an accessory after the fact for helping dispose of the remains. His later testimony assisted in convicting David and also enlightening his own punishment. But knowing what you do about David's personality, it isn't out of the realm of possibility to think Curtis was under pressure from David. Now, contrary to what you might expect, Pamela wasn't the person in this fire witnessed by Curtis. In fact, David willingly told the deputies who the charred head, buckshot riddled torso, and other roasted parts belonged to. They once made up the person who was Rubel Hill. 
David included this fact in his otherwise fabricated narrative about Rubel trying to shoot him. Investigators believe the likely story is that Rubel was killed for discovering what David had done to Pamela. Back to that March morning, deputies strolled down the street to ask Amy if Rubel was her father and if she had seen him recently. They waited to start the questioning until Leanne was back home and then told Amy to wait at a friend's house next door. At the friend's house, the TV was running constant images of David's home. Amy heard the news mention something about a dog and a farmhouse on Mincy Road. Initially, Amy's mind drifted to a scenario in which David finally murdered Pamela, and perhaps Rubel helped, or at least assisted in the cover-up. At first, she couldn't put it past him because of the miserable existence Rubel provided for her for some time. But there's the complexity in this story that's hard to face. Rubel was awful. David was far worse, in a different category of misery inflicted on others across the spectrum of human pain. Amy's eyes turned from the TV to down the street where deputies spoke with Leanne in her driveway. Amy watched her mother break completely as they tried to articulate what David did to Rubel. This would make sense to Leanne years later, as she recalled returning to her home one night during the period when Rubel was still considered missing. She found David waiting in the dark, most likely after a day of pawning Pamela's belongings illuminated only by a small light in the kitchen, casting the silhouette of the butcher against the wall, his true shadow self. He was rummaging around the kitchen as if he owned the place. Shocked but still hunting for her flawed loved one, Leanne demanded an answer about Rubel's location. David simply said, Rubel's gone. I'm the boss now. Return next week to finally step inside David's home during his arrest and beyond. The grim catalog will be revealed along with David's trial, appeals, and confinement. But also, you'll hear about Leanne's impulsive quest for personal revenge against the butcher. In the meantime, you can find us on social media and get even more content through our Patreon, where your support is very appreciated. If you like this episode and want others to hear about it, take a moment to follow, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, it awaits you.